All right, it is Sunday, September the 6th. This is true. No, no, it's not. What it's, is it? It's sept- It's Sunday the, 5th, the 13th. Oh my gosh. Your week off. It's September the 13th. Okay. Well, I've had a really good week. I've really been enjoying being able to interview so many people in one short space of time since we're doing all the interviews mostly over zoom right now the sound quality isn't as good but it's been really nice i talked to someone in bangkok the other day a friend of mine and uh, i'm talking to my niece later this week and lots of people coming up so we've actually got enough interviews to last through january once the ones that i've scheduled are all done in fact i'm going to be interviewing mr ledbetter my high school english teacher in a couple of weeks i'm really excited about that i understand it sounds good well one of the things i love this week I finally saw my mom after months since COVID started. I haven't been to see her because I didn't want to endanger her, but we were both in a good place. We felt that we could see each other. We had been socially distancing and all the stuff, right? And since I was up in that area, a guy I grew up with, well, I didn't grow up with him. He's younger than me, but we grew up in the same place, went to the same church, Tom Whitaker. I asked him if I could interview him because I just think he's a very interesting person, but I didn't know enough about him, even though our families know each other and just because he's younger and he lived in California for a long time or a while. So I went to their house. We followed all of our safety protocol and everything. It's the first in-person interview I've done in a long time. He's been staying sequestered and safe and you've been staying sequestered and safe. It was understood. Yeah. And Tom is just, there's something really great about Tom. He is so sweet and kind and creative and smart. And it was just a great pleasure to actually sit down and talk with him. He has hiked the Appalachian Trail. He's lived in California and in Nashville and, of course, in Arab, where we're from. He's He really loves the outdoors and nature. And a couple of years, I guess it was last year, he was... He was diagnosed with a brain tumor, so he's been fighting that the past year, and he's doing really well going through treatment, and we talked some about that. We talked about the art that he's doing, the collage art that he's doing, and he even gave my mom and me each a collage, and I've I've already got mine hanging. Yes, you do have it hanging. And uh, it's on my art wall. My hallway is my art wall. Mm -hmm. But I talk with him in this interview about a lot. He he came prepared. I was so happy. He he had some things that he definitely wanted to talk about. And his life has just been really interesting. And it was great talking to him. We talked some about Pam. We mentioned Pam and Benji some in this interview. And I wanted to clarify who they are for people who may not know us that well. Pam is his cousin. She's my, one of my best friends. We grew up together. And Benji is Pam's little brother. He's not little anymore, but her younger brother and Benji and Tom are really good friends and they're obviously cousins. So these are people you knew and grew up with and it's it's all it's all in the family, so to speak. Right. So while some people listening may not know everybody in the cast of characters, I think you'll that's all you need to know really. And editing and scrubbing through, I was able to pick up context and I can say it was a joy to edit this one. I really yeah. like the content to this one. Yeah. Don't you just really like Tom? He's nice. Yes. He is a really, really nice guy. And I'm going to shut up now and let everybody hear this wonderful guy tell his fascinating story, Tom Whitaker. We're here in Arab. I'm with Tom Whitaker, who I sort of knew when you were younger, but 
we're from the same place. We went to the same church for, mm-hmm. for a long time. And I'm here with Tom because I want to talk to him about what's going on in his life, his journey, how he got to where he is. I think we have some things in common. Did you always, did your family always live in Arab or were you ever living in Hulaco where I lived? Mm-mm. You're always in Arab. Yeah, I've lived in this house my whole life. What was your childhood like growing up in this area? Um, I mean, some parts are really good. Like, we traveled a lot, and I felt like I had a really good childhood. I felt like my mama, she really made everything special, like birthdays and Christmas and all the holidays. But I was bullied in uh, elementary school, junior high, high school. Um, I don't know. I was I was thinking about the this time. Uh, I was friends with this guy named Stanley, and we were we were really good friends. And I was probably in like maybe third grade. And we were at a football game together, an a football game. And I just remember that, like, I was hanging around him, and his older brothers were, like, telling him not to talk to me and not to hang out with me. And I didn't really understand why, but I kept hearing him say sissy and girly and stuff like that. Not faggot or anything, but just, just like, sissy and girly. And I just, I don't know, it just really hurt my feelings. And I was always called, like, Thomasina or Tom Girl, because, you know, mm-hmm. Tomboy is like a boyish girl, so Tom Girl, you know, so I was always called that. My uncles always called me Thomasina. I don't know. Really? Your uncles called you that? Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just the name, but I don't know. Looking back, I was, you know. How old were you at that football game? Uh, I think I was in third grade or something like that. I was really young, but I knew that I was different, you know, and, uh. I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh... You say you knew you were different. How did that... What did you think about yourself when they would call... Because I was called sissy, too, at that age. But what did you... What did you think? Did you tell your mom about it? Did you tell your family? Or did you keep it to yourself? I never told anybody. I just, uh... I just hated myself, I guess. You know, it just made me hate myself. (laughs) Yeah. No, I under... I mean, I remember. I remember that feeling. Yeah. I really do. So... Were you, did you have friends though that kind of sheltered you a little bit or took up for you maybe? No. No. The only, I mean, the the only thing that I really had was Benji and we talked about being gay, like as long as I can remember. We just knew that we were both gay and, uh, and he was always like just out loud and proud and I don't know, he didn't really get bullied as much as I did, I think, because he was like. At Ryan, he was friends with, like, the Heathers or the Plastics, you know? <laughs> and then also, he was just, like, he, he he's a big guy. Yeah. You know, he's a big guy, so he didn't really get bullied. But uh, but I got a lot of bullying, I guess. Yeah, you were a little bit smaller. I remember, I still think of you as little Tom Whitaker. <laughs> Not Thomasina, though. I never called you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's fine. Maybe, maybe they didn't mean it. Like did that. you, as you moved up in grade level, did you find... Did that change? Did it got worse? Or did um, you cope with it differently? I mean, I got I got beat up a couple times. I know I got beat up by like six guys in fifth grade. And then uh everybody called me faggot probably freshman year. Like all the all the redneck guys. Not all the people, but just the redneck guys. And I was going from grassy to Arab, so it was sort of a small school into a bigger school. So, you know, I didn't have any like I didn't have any grassy friends in my classes. You know, so I would sort of sit by myself and be quiet yeah, and uh, not talk to anybody. And then once I got a car, then I started getting girlfriends. And then they quit doing that. They quit saying that stuff. So probably 10th grade that really stopped. And I dated a girl for three years. And then I dated another girl after that for my senior year and my freshman year of college. Yeah. 
And Benji the whole time was like, you're gay. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Because he never, he never dated a girl. I dated a girl in high school and, and, and then in freshman year of college. And then that was it. Like if I look at my journals from that time, I, I'm back and forth, back and forth what I, what I would call myself. Were you, what were you saying about yourself to yourself? Did you um, know inside? I don't know. I just, I just really didn't want to be gay. You know, like that's, I just really didn't want that. I just, uh, I grew up like hearing sermons about homosexuality. We had a, a youth pastor named Anthony and he picked out the worst book ever. And it was chapters about gay people. And like, I believed that stuff. I believed some of that stuff until I got to California. You mm. know, like it's just, I remember whenever I was like working at Trader Joe's, which is the last job I've had. Uh, I was talking to this woman and I said, like a coworker, and I said, uh, you know, gay people don't live as long as straight people. And she said, that's not true. Like, what, what study is that from? And I was just like, oh, oh, I guess I just internalized that and accepted that as truth. But really, you know, it wasn't like, I don't know. And then just, uh, like, I don't know. Another thing that I was thinking about is, um, whenever I was in college, my parents would put money in my account, you know, like the, like yeah. they do. Because I didn't work. I just went to school like all the time. And so they put money in my account. And she would never, she always said, put my name on your account so that way I can see how much money you have. And I was so, I always heard those horror stories about people that like came out and then they like got kicked out. And I was like, I'm not going to let her take my money, you know, or her money because it was really their money. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to let that happen if I can, you know, and so yeah. I never put her on that account. And like, I told her about that a few weeks ago and she said, why would you think I would do that? And I was just like, because I heard so many stories from people, you know, that like they found a note that some guy wrote another guy and they like kicked him out or beat him. I just heard those horror stories. Sure. And then I knew what was communicated to everybody at church. And so I didn't know, we didn't, me and mama never talked about gay stuff before I came out, you know? So I didn't know how she would deal with it. You would just assume everybody feels the same way, who was going to that church and hearing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, she's been great. She's been very supportive. You know, she's, I mean, she's, she's been great the whole way through. She's been great. Can I ask you, how have you felt any support from that, that church since you, even since you moved away, but even since you were diagnosed or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Um, I mean, a lot of cards, a lot of letters. Uh, I mean, your mom is the most supportive person yeah. in that church, I think. But besides that, Betty Smith, I mean, a bunch of people yeah. have sent me letters and cards and classes sent me cards and everybody signed it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still getting a lot of support. That's good. So you grew up in Arab. Where did you go to college? JSU, Jacksonville State University. So you moved down, where is that, in Troy? <laughs> That's no. in Jacksonville. Jacksonville, sorry. It's so, sort of between Aniston and Gadsden. Sorry. You were there for four years? Mm-hmm. And you said the first year there, you were there, you had a girlfriend, but so is that when you sort of like, did you kind of come on out then, or? Yeah, once I broke up with her, then I knew I couldn't, I couldn't date another, another girl. <laughs> and not like, I mean, I could do it, but yeah. I just wasn't going to be as happy, you know? Yeah. Like, it just didn't feel right. I don't even know what, what were you, what did you major in in college? Oh, uh, communications with a concentration in public relations. Okay. 
And then the first job I got, I moved to Nashville after I graduated. And the first job I got was holding a cash for gold sign on the side of the road. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. Yeah. Was it like a really busy road? It was. <laughs> <laughs> Were you embarrassed? Uh, no, actually I wasn't. I wasn't. I was just standing there hollering. <laughs> How long did you live in Nashville? Not very long, like six months. Yeah. And did you move to California after that? No, I came back to Birmingham, and me and Benji and Bailey lived together. Bailey's my other best friend. We all sort of are family, like the three of us. And then the family has grown because they both got married. And Bailey lives in California, too. Bailey lives in California, too, and she's married to Jade. And then uh, Benji married Mikey when he was still in Birmingham, and so they moved out there together like a few months after we did. That's cool. I used to, I remember early on in the social media world, I started following you and Benji. I was just always, I always got to, y'all probably thought I was creepy, but I really have, ever since I started following you, there's something about knowing that you're from the same place. You just live very courageously and openly and boldly, and I just love that about you guys, so. Well, I get that from Benji. Like, I really do. I mean, I give him all that credit. I just, I don't know. He was just born, (laughs) born proud of who he was, and he knew who he was, and I don't know. So, I just, I give all that to Benji. Like, I came out but Benji was the brave one well how did okay so you moved from Nashville to Birmingham Mm -hmm. and I lived in Birmingham for like maybe like six years or something what were you doing in Birmingham uh I was a waiter I worked at Sticks and then I worked at Cheesecake Factory and then I worked at Shea Lulu and then I left Birmingham to go do the Appalachian Trail for the first time when I was 27 and then I moved back to my parents house and lived there for I guess Two and a half years. Oh, I did not know that. And then, and then I moved to California right before I turned thirty. This is where we, where you are so different from me. That I really am fascinated by this. What is the, what is it about the Appalachian Trail that? How long did that take, by the way? Um, I want to know all about this. Okay. Oh, well, <laughs> you're talking to the right person then. I just, uh, I went to law school. I did that nearly two years. But it was like a night law school, and I didn't have to take the LSAT. So it wasn't like Alabama or something. You know, yeah. it was like pretty easy to get into. And I quit because I just, I didn't feel like it was right for me. And I don't know, just a lot of reasons. And also I was working as a waiter like all the time to pay for my tuition. And I don't know. And so then I quit, but it was so disappointing. And I was just like, I gotta like do something. I gotta figure out something that I can do. To like get my life back and you know, just I was down in the dumps. Yeah. And uh and so I started reading Deepak Chopra books and he talks about commune with nature. And so then I started getting into hiking and I'll go down to Oak Mountain and hike. And then I just was like, Oh, well, maybe I can do that. And so I looked into long distance backpacking. Basically you spend like a thousand dollars to live like a homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first trail I did was the Pinhoti, which starts in Glencoe, which is close to Gadsden, and ends in Silicaga, so it's about 70 miles, I think. The first time I went out, I lasted like a day and a half, <laughs> even though I was packed for like six days, I lasted a day and a half and got off the road, and it was like, I had to walk down this gravel, like forest service road for a long time, and then I didn't have any phone service, but anyway, it all worked out. I got picked up, I guess that was in December before I started the AT, and then March or May or something, then I did five days on the Finhody. And I didn't see anybody. Like, I was literally alone for five days. And for the first two days, I felt like there was somebody following me. You know what I mean? Like, you just really get in your head when you're alone for that long. 
I don't know, I couldn't talk to people because I had to conserve my phone battery because I didn't have extra batteries like I do now. And I was also like balling on a budget. So I had like cheap stuff and stuff from Walmart. <laughs> it was really good. And then I took two weeks off and then I started the Appalachian Trail. And how long is that? 2,200 miles. And how long did it take? Well, I only did half of it. So I got picked up by my cousin Stacy in Pennsylvania and I walked 1,178 miles total. But that was in three trips because I went back the next summer and then I went back last summer and I did my first week with my mom and my Aunt Bar. I saw those pictures, yeah. yeah. And that was, I mean, you want to talk they about They did a back? week? They did a week. They did 40 wow. miles, yeah. How Which many is, miles do you do a day? I mean, you build up. Like, I think the most I ever did was like close to 30. But it just depended on the terrain and also, like, uh, you know, how long I've been hiking. Because once you hike for a month, you know, you can you yeah. can get those miles in. But you just have to build up. So you camp at night, I guess? Camp at night. There's shelters some places, three-walled buildings, so it's like open face. And there's mice in there. But there's usually a privy some, some places, so that's like an outhouse. Mm-hmm. And there's like a little fire ring and stuff. So that's where people camp but also you can just camp pretty much anywhere were you off so i know that you said that first week that your some of your family was with you but mm-hmm. when you're by yourself do you find are you most of the time spending the night alone too no never okay i mean uh, unless i just pick a camp spot you know and it's called cowboy camping where you just like pick a spot off the trail but usually i slept in shelters because it's the most walked trail on the in the world mm-hmm. and so you see people like every hour and especially like at March and April when people are really starting to do their through hikes, so crowded. And so you see people on the trail too. Oh yeah. It wasn't like the Penhody. The Penhody was, I mean, the only people I saw on the fifth day was like some hunters. You know, there was no hikers or backpackers on that trail. And you could tell because there was like a lot of trees that had fallen over and you had to climb over them. But you're carrying like 40 pounds on your back. So what do you know. eat? I mean, just a lot of stuff, uh, like freeze-dried fruits, dried fruits. I've got those uh, nor pesticides that were lived in, but like teriyaki noodles and stuff. And I mix that with like bagged salmon, like, you know, those tuna bags. So there's salmon that's like that too. So that stuff lasts. And then Pop-Tarts because it's high calorie, peanut butter, everyday peanut butter. You just, you had to carry a jar of peanut butter. And then I filtered my water, like, out of creeks and streams. And I had, like, some electrolyte stuff that I put in there sometimes. Did you make... Did you, so there were people on the trail. Do you, did you meet people that became friends? Or, oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people. I mean, I met, I met two people that worked at Starbucks. They were a couple. And I remember they had uh, pumpkin spice lattes, <laughs> like, little packets of them. And you could, like, mix with hot water. <laughs> and we're still friends. And... Yeah, I see them on Facebook. I'm, I made a really good friend the first time I went out, but I make friends every time I go out because people are so friendly. I don't know why. I guess just being in the woods makes people happy or something. But Do you feel some sort of spiritual connection out there? Is it a disappointment to come back to the world after that? It's hard. <laughs> it's, especially it's hard to work, I think. Yeah. Just because uh, just every day is like your own. You know, when you're out there, I just really feel like that's living, you know, and... It's hard to just go back to like the same old, same old. But talk about the magic of the Appalachian Trail. Like I had, I got, you know, the, what is that called? Unclaimed baggage that's stored in Scottsboro. So I got my trekking poles there and one was like a cheap Walmart one and it broke. 
and you need two trekking poles to really just sort of hold up the load and to walk like you don't fall when you have trekking poles because it's like you're a four-legged animal and so one of them broke and like the next day i just found one leaned, leaned against the tree and yeah. i was out of gas one time like the fuel for my stove and this guy, this old guy that was just, you know, doing a weekend trip was like, hey, I always carry extra gas here. Just have this. Yeah. Like, it was just, I don't know. It's just always magical. Yeah. Always magical. Everybody's trying to do this hard thing. And I don't know. It's just really, really magical. And I miss it. Like, I don't know. I hope I can get back out there next summer. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I think that's always a sign that you're on the right path, literally and figuratively. <laughs> When those things happen like that, those little coincidences. You did the Appalachian Trail. You were still, you were living with your mom then? Or you came back and lived with your, in A-Rap for a while after mm-hmm. that? Is that because you were, you, you couldn't stand the idea of going to, to work again or? Well, I went <laughs> to work at Mountain High, which is like an outdoor store. Uh-huh. So I sort of like was able to use my experience yeah. to sell stuff. But, and I, I got a lot of discount and then I got good stuff, yeah. you know, because I got a big <laughs> discount. Right. So then the next year when I went back out. I was like, it was a lot more comfortable. Was that, is that the year that you, when Stacy picked you up, you went the further, that was after that? Uh, that, that was the first year that I went. The second year I went, I like skipped a little bit because my sister got married and I was trying to meet up with that girl that I met. And so I jumped from Franklin, North Carolina to Atkins, Virginia. And then, so I walked from Atkins, Virginia, which is like barely in Virginia. It's like right across the line. And Virginia is like, I think 400 miles. Like just the wow. Appalachian Trail in Virginia is 400 miles. And so, and so I started in Atkins, Virginia and walked up to Pennsylvania where she was. Yeah. And then the next year I went and I started in Franklin and I walked up to Atkins just to fill in the gap. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you've done, you've pieces of it you've done it a lot of years like several years mm-hmm. so you've pretty much done the whole thing is that right or not the whole thing. half half yeah. i've officially me. finished half because the only thing i didn't do was the smokies ascent and so oh, now goodness. i've been through the smokies twice oh really yeah and it was raining the both times and it was really cold even though it was the summertime <laughs> i'm just curious like you know during the early part of quarantine when when we, people really were kind of locked down I would walk like three hours. No lie. I would just go walk around Hoover and there were no cars. The geese were coming out. A fox ran across my, you know, like the nature was kind of coming back and it was so nice and peaceful. And when I walk, I always think I'm going to like have deep thoughts or something. But what I really do is like it empties out for me. Like it's almost like I'm just, I wonder what it's like for you to walk that far what are you, what's going on in your mind? Do you think about things or is it, or is it just more like meditative? Um, yeah, I think it is meditative. Yeah. I mean, I listen to music sometimes and I listen to podcasts sometimes, but I don't have the battery life, even with the extra batteries to do that all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just really think about stuff and think about what's next or just, you know, not think about anything. I like not thinking about anything because sometimes my brain is too busy. When did you move to California? Uh, so it was four years ago, and it was in March, and I was about to turn... Oh, I was going to turn 30 that year, so... And that's one of those big milestones, you know? Yeah. It really is. I remember 30. And me and Bailey, we moved together, and we both moved in with our parents. So 
So we were like desperate. We were like, we can't be 30 and living with our parents. Right. Like we can't. <laughs> so Bailey lived in Birmingham. She lived in, yeah, she lived in Birmingham with us. And then she moved to Coleman, which is where her parents, her parents live. Yeah. So y'all moved together. What was, did you just pack your bags and go? Or did you have like a specific, did you know somebody there? We, I had a, I had a friend that was there. He had two apartments for one week. Mm-hmm. And so we could stay somewhere, you know, for free. But like, it was in West Hollywood and I don't know. It was just like, like, it was just so like, I remember whenever I first got off the freeway and I like nearly hit somebody. Like, you know, like people would just walk in the street and I nearly <laughs> hit somebody and I just called Bailey because she was already at Chad's. And I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know. I was just having a moment, you know, and, uh, but it, it really worked out. But it, we didn't have any jobs. We didn't have an apartment. We didn't even have any money, really. Like, yeah. I mean, Bailey, Bailey got a credit card that she could pull money off of. So that's how we paid our down payment for the apartment. <laughs> we faked letters of employment to get our apartment. Like, I mean, we did some shady stuff, but we made it work, though. We made it work. What was it about California specifically that drew you? Well, I, I don't know. I guess... Uh, Bailey's from California originally, okay. so that's why she wanted to go, and some of her family still lives there, and then, uh, I don't know, I just wanted to live in a different place. You know, I didn't really choose California, I was just going to go with her, Yeah, but I really liked it, I really liked it, and I like the attitudes of people out there, like, gay stuff is not an issue right. at all, even for, like, the butcher straight guy out there, you know, like, yeah. you could talk about it openly, you know, I, I don't know, like, I still feel like sometimes you can't talk about stuff, you know, and that's not a thing in California. So when you, now that you, or at least in LA, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure there, there are some really strong Republican yeah. Oh, places yeah. in Orange Cal- County. Yeah. Orange County. I mean, I'm not from there. I know about it just from the culture, but is there a really marked difference now that you're here for a while? Like, do you really feel the difference between like <laughs> the gay aspects? Like, does it feel uncomfortable or, no, I think that I'm stronger and that I'm just like, okay, well, we're going to, I'm going to turn Alabama into California. <laughs> That's it. basically what I'm talking So I talk about smoking weed <laughs> and I talk about being gay and my boyfriend, you know, like that's, that's just because what it it's is. Just who, yeah, it's just who it is. And also like, they need to accept it, you know, yeah. like they need to accept that like people do these things and it's okay, you yeah. know? I think that's great. I mean, I'm really happy to hear that. You... In California, you were working at uh, Trader Joe's, is that right? Well, the first job I got, because I went to a temp agency, uh-huh. and I was we got an apartment at Sherman Oaks. So the first job I got was at a, a cremation place. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> it's funny. And I was the receptionist there, so I just had to answer the phone. So literally every day, I would just sit there and answer the phone call, and it would either be like a hospice nurse, which was like totally cool because she wasn't upset. Or it would be like the child or the wife or, you know, the husband or something. And they were really upset. Yeah. And I had to ask them like, you know, did you you have a prepaid cremation? Are there any stairs? Because like you have to know that to go pick up the body, you know. And I don't know. It was just, it was just really depressing. And I just like kept thinking about, uh, thinking about like my grandma. She had just died like a year before. The good thing about that job was that I could walk to it. Oh, because wow. it was like really close to my apartment, so it was just like that's a big deal months. in L.A., right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why the, the she called me and she said I placed a girl at this job and she lasted one hour and she said I know you said you were desperate for work <laughs> and it's really close to where you live, so if you can get there in an hour, you got the job. 
So I would like, you know, put on my dress clothes and went. Yeah. That's so how long did you work there? Not very long. Maybe <laughs> maybe four months or something. They offered me I was doing temp employment and they offered me full time or whatever, like to be a real yeah. employee. But I was just over it at that point. And then I don't know, I was already looking around for other jobs. So I quit that and then I did uh DoorDash or Oh yeah. Something like that. I forgot what it was called. And then and then I got a job at Trader Joe's and I love that job. Yeah, that seems like a great place to work. It really is. Like everybody's so happy and you like you fill out surveys on your managers, so like the mean ones are weeded out. You nice. know, and and just they give you good benefits and I don't know. It's just it's a great place to work. I mean, yeah. It's the best job I've ever had. I, I uh, love the one here in town and it, I don't go much anymore right now, but in regular times, I was always really the atmosphere as a customer just feels really cool, you know, and they have good stuff, stuff you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. I'm not trying to, I'm not doing like an ad for Trader Joe's or anything, but I uh, <laughs> just, I like them. So you're 33 now? 33. Yep. So you were diagnosed with glioblastoma a year ago? One year ago. Yeah. It happened the day after my birthday. So October 4th and we were in Sedona and... I've just, I always was reading about like the, I don't know, there's like a force in Sedona or something and there's mm-hmm. like beautiful mountains. And so I was up standing on the edge of cliffs and, you know, I just went for a hike that day by myself, just walked around, climbed some mountains, climbed some hills, you know, but just doing yoga on the edge. I was, that's what I remember <laughs> was like me doing like, like the one leg stand, you know, and, uh, and just on the edge of the cliff. And then I walked back home and we were getting ready for dinner and I had a seizure and it was just like out of the blue. Like I had never had anything like that, yep. you know, and I just had a seizure. And then the next day we were driving to Las Vegas. I went to the emergency room. They told me it was low potassium and they sent me back home. And then the next day I had another one in the car and it was Alex and the kids and then uh, we got to Las Vegas. We got and checked in the room. And then the next morning I had another one. And so then we were like, we were going to stay there for five days. So then we went back immediately to Los Angeles and we went to his sister's house. And I had another one in her house. And that's when they were like, okay, we got to go to the hospital. Yeah. And so then I went to the hospital and, and then that's when I think the first thing they did was like a, not an MRI, but a CAT scan. CAT scan of my head. And then, uh, and then it just all went downhill from there. I got transferred from that like Valley hospital to the big hospital in LA called, uh, LAC USC or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. University of Southern California. Yeah. I think that's it. And I had to wait like two weeks to get the surgery, to get the tumor out. I don't know. It was just, I mean, everybody like that's, that's what's so great about Trader Joe's is that I probably had at least 30 of my coworkers come visit me in the hospital. And it was like an hour drive, yeah. maybe, maybe longer, you know? Yeah. Benji and Bailey, they came to see me like all the time. And it's just, I don't know. And they send me cards and they know yeah. I love plants. And so I just had a hospital room full of plants, yeah. you know? And it was just, I don't know. They're just so sweet. And they're still like, even though I'm in Alabama, like they're still sending me stuff. Like I have a sweatshirt, like a, Trader Joe's sweatshirt that like they stuffed with cotton. So it's like something that I can hold. (laughs) And also they all signed it. Just the coworkers there are really great. Yeah. You don't get that. That's not, that doesn't happen everywhere. No, it doesn't. No, No, it really doesn't. 
So you had your surgery and then I had the happened? surgery. You know, I was doing pretty good. And my mom was up there. She stayed with me in the hospital. And then she stayed maybe like three weeks, maybe two or three weeks after. And then it was about to be Thanksgiving. And because uh, I got out of the hospital on Halloween. And so mama stayed for a couple of weeks. And then she went back to Alabama because I was fine. You know, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't feel like I needed her. And also she was like bored to death. <laughs> you know, she was just, she was. She's she away was, from her stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And also it was like, you know, she had been, it was a month and she was at the beach when she, when Alex called her. So she like wasn't packed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like she yeah. was packed with beach stuff. So anyway, so then I bought a plane ticket to come home. So I came home on December 15th and then Christmas day, like all the Albrights were here and then they all left and I went to take a nap and I just lost like three days. Oh wow. Like I just I didn't, didn't wake up and like, I just, I have like slight memories. Like, uh, like mama, like getting, getting me up and giving me water and trying to make me eat strawberries and like I have vague memories of stuff like that. And then uh the third day, my sister and her three friends who I love, Rachel, Kelly, and Amy, they came and they were like like basically she's basically Meg called them and said, Tom's dying <laughs> and he refuses to go to the hospital. Oh, no. <laughs> and like, can y'all come help? Like that's basically yeah. And so they went, and Rachel was, like, on the phone with the emergency room. And this is all secondhand, because I don't remember Tom, anything. wait, you were still, you weren't at the hospital during these three days that you were, that you lost? No, okay. I was in my bed. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was in my bed, like, for real. I mean, and so I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was sort of out of it. And I call it a coma, but it was just, I was asleep, basically. Yeah. But then, so she was like calling the emergency room and she was like, look, like we got to have a wheelchair. Like we have a medical emergency. She's a lesbian. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So then they realized my tumor had grown back. And so then I had to have a second surgery. And I, I think it was like one day oh, wow. between getting in the hospital and the surgery. The surgery oh, wow. Because like the Huntsville population is so much less than LA, you know, so I was more of a priority. Gotcha. Which is like weird but also like makes sense you know but so then i was in the hospital had the surgery and i like couldn't after i woke up from the surgery i like couldn't move this whole side like my right side i couldn't mm -hmm. move it like my arm my leg i couldn't walk i mean the only thing i could do was like crawl and that was after i got home i couldn't even do that in the hospital and it was just really hard and I just didn't know that I would be able to walk again and I just love hiking and stuff, you know, and I was just really upset. But uh once I got home, like I I remember like the first morning I like crawled on my hands. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't even use my legs. But I did yoga. I did a lot of yoga and just, you know, tried to get in those positions and did a lot of stretching. And like wiggling my toes, just like, you know, in Kill Bill when Uma Thurman's like trying to wiggle yes. her toes. Like that's what I was doing. Yeah. Like that's how it was. I mean, yoga really helped. And I walk in probably three days after that. That's amazing. I mean, you've come a long way since then, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you look great. I mean, you're walking around and everything. How long ago was that? Like that was in January. Yeah. See, mm -hmm. what are we in September now? That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So where are you now? I mean, like, how do you feel? What are you on treatment or anything? Yeah, uh, I had six weeks of radiation and chemo, and so it was like five days of radiation, and then I took chemo every day for six weeks. Was that chemo like a pill chemo or pill. Yeah. chemo pill? Yeah, and then I stopped for like a month, and then I started remedial chemo, which is like just one week out of the month. 
but I still, and then I got this thing, which is called the Optune device, and it just like goes on my head, and it's like sort of like band-aids, and it's sticky, and like it's based on my MRI, so there's like a map of my head over there, and my mama like puts it on my head the way it shows on the map. And it just plugs into this little thing that I have to keep charged. I'm just wondering what that is. What yeah. is going on? And so basically, it's just like a electricity that goes to a magnet, and somehow that stops cancer growth. Okay. And but it only works with the chemo. Like it, I guess they only tested it with the chemo. So once I'm done with the chemo, which this month is my last month, this this is going to go away too. How often do you have to? All the time. Yeah. I take it off every three or four days. And take a shower and then put it right back on. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. There's all there's all kinds of I know, and, things that they can do now. And this is like, you know, I mean, besides it being annoying, <laughs> it's not it's not hard. I don't have any side effects. I don't get headaches or anything. It looks like you have a cool ponytail. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, like the Lady Gaga thing. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. So what are your plans now? I mean, what what's the next thing for you? I don't know. I really don't know. I got to... I've got one clean, clear MRI, and that was two months ago, and I've got another one coming up in October. I think it's the 4th or the 5th. It's right after my birthday. So if that one's clear, then I guess, you know, we'll just see. But, I mean, I'm going to have to keep getting them. Yeah. Because it could grow back, you know, and I just, I don't don't want that. (laughs) No, nobody wants that. How do you... If it's not too personal for me to ask, how do you deal with that? Just sort of psychologically. I mean, are you at peace with it? Does it do you? I mean, is it tearing you up inside? I mean, you seem like you're cool, cool beans about you know, like you you said you were smoking pot, right? Yes, That's to help with the chemo side effects. I'm assuming. Yes. Does that also though help you kind of deal with things? I think so. I think so. I was real depressed when I was in the hospital and I just remember I like squalled and squalled when I left. Like I just, Meg picked me up and it was just so overwhelming. That's what I kept saying is I'm just overwhelmed. Like I'm not sad. I'm just overwhelmed with the situation. And I cried and I cried and I was so depressed. And then when I couldn't walk, you know, I was depressed about that too. But then like doing yoga and sort of getting my body back. Like when I was able to walk again, I didn't feel like, like I still thought I might die, but I was, I was happy that I was improving, you know, that I could see something that I could improve. You know, I can't fix the brain tumor, but I can definitely fix the paralyzation or whatever. Paralyzed. Yeah. Whatever. There's some, it sounds like a paralysis. Paralysis. I like paralyzation. (laughs) Yeah. It's like temporary paralysis. It sounds like a, it sounds like a real word. It's sort of like being paralyzed. Do you think that you, do you want to, do you want to get out there and walk, do the trails again and everything? I think you could do it. Yeah. It's just like maybe today, but yeah, but maybe next year. I, I really want to. I mean, if I have one life goal, it's to finish. Yeah. It's to finish that and do that again. But I don't know. I just, I get dizzy sometimes and I don't know. I have to, like, now I'm on prescriptions, you know, so I have to figure out how to refill those prescriptions while I'm out and about. And yeah. I don't know. So there's just going to be difficulties that I didn't have, but I think I can get, I can get past it and finish. And also I think it'll be the best thing for me, you know. And you, you you're hopeful, right? Like you have... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's so important. I think the survivability rate is like 40% or something. That's what what, what one thing said. And uh, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I've really thought about death a lot. But, like, I think I'll be okay if I die. You know, like, I know I'm going to go to a better place. 
or I'll be reincarnated as something, you know, but I just, if, if I'm going to die, like I'm ready. And also that's why I started making the, all those little collages because I wanted to give people something to remember me by, you yeah. know, like I wanted, well, like when my mom went to Thanksgiving at my aunt Rose's house, I wanted her to see the collage that I made and think about me, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I just, that's why I started. I mean, I'm not, I'm not thinking that way anymore because now I'm thinking I'm going to live. Yeah. But like, that's why I first started. That's why I think one of the main reasons people create art is to leave something behind, whether they're, you know, sick or not. So yeah. there's no reason to stop. You better not stop making those collages because they are, <laughs> when I see those on Facebook, I'm like, this is, I'm, I love art. I just don't know a lot about it. But I know when I look at those collages that, that there's something really special there. What is it? I mean, how, what inspires you to do that? I don't know. I mean, I said one time that I just like to fill up blank spaces. Like that's, I don't know. I just enjoy that, you know, and whether it's plants or whether it's collaging or painting, I just. Do you paint too? I used to. I haven't painted in a long time because it's just so messy and. Yeah. I don't know. Since I've been living in nice places, I just don't like to paint because I don't <laughs> want to mess everything up. But uh, but the collages, they're not complaining about that. I was talking to Stacy earlier mm-hmm. about, his, you know, he paints. And I was asking him, like, what is there kind of like a... It seems like you would get in sort of a zen headspace, almost like when you're out in nature. I think. Is it like that when you're doing the collages or is it different? I mean, it's a lot more like does this look good or like, Oh, I need more of this. And so I'll flip through magazines and rip out more pages that have that color. So I don't know. It's a lot, it's not like not thinking anything, you know, but it is very relaxing. Yeah. I feel like it's very relaxing and I feel like I've achieved something. I mean, the first, I remember the first time I made a collage was an art class in fourth grade. <laughs> and that was like the first time I discovered that that was like an art form, I guess. Yeah. And I cut out so many pictures that I didn't even glue anything on. Yeah. Like, I didn't even have a project at the end of the day because <laughs> I didn't, I was busy cutting stuff out. But then I was in love with it and I filled notebooks full of collages and like my whole walls when I was in high school. Like, I think that's how I dealt with being bullied and stuff because like my whole walls are covered in collage. Yeah. And it was just like Missy Elliott and I don't know Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. So you like a, you like like you like to put the the divas in your work sometimes. Yeah. yeah, sometimes. How do you how have you been choosing subjects lately? Choose what you like, or is there like an intention where you say I'm looking purposefully for for the centerpiece part of it? You know, I mean, no, I think it's really serendipitous. Just uh, just I've just flipped through magazines and whatever like piques my interest, or you know, I think looks pretty or good or interesting you know so i've got a lot of stuff like i i've got a guy with smallpox scars on his face but i just i love the pain in his eyes you know like i just remember that from when i was in the hospital and it like i connect to that you know so some of it is not pretty but it's like interesting i think how do you know when you're finished with one because i feel like i would never know i'd be like one more thing one more thing i just i just fill it up once and I just make it look as good, and I do the edges, and then it's done. You have a great eye for, like, for color. There's something about the, like, you've got, you know, whatever your centerpiece is, but then there's something about the colors that you put. I just, I love it, and I love the, you said that Meg was putting the mm-hmm. resin, is that what it is? Yeah, resin. What is that? So, I don't know exactly. Resin of what? I don't know exactly <laughs> what it is, but is it's Is this just, legal? <laughs> <laughs> it is legal okay. I ordered it on Amazon 
I don't know. She just she figured it out. I think she's she's a painter. So okay. she's like so she's really into this stuff. And I've sort of like turned away from it since I was in California maybe. And so like I'm getting back into it, but also she's showing me a bunch of stuff. And she's a great painter. Like she does the good stuff. And we're planning a store together. Or a, oh. a rent in a space at Low Mill or something. Oh, cool. But so she was the one that introduced me to it. And I don't know where she heard about it. But it's just called Art Resin. But there's resin that's sold at Hobby Lobby and stuff. But it's cheaper. But I guess it like turns yellow mm. when it's in the sunlight. You know? And this one is supposed to not do that. This one is supposed to stay clear forever. And you I... just pour it on. You just mix two bottles together. And you stir it up, and then you just pour it on, and then you just make sure it's totally covered, which is, like, weird, because you have to sort of, like, look at the light reflection, you know? So there's some of them that, like, have little holes or bubbles still, but... And then you put the heat gun on there to pop the bubbles. Oh, okay. And then you just wait, like, a day for it to dry, and that's it. Yeah. And then it's, like, basically waterproof and indestructible. Do you plan on selling them or anything, or is it more you just want to give them to people? I mean, I'm giving them away right now. I just, I'm giving them to people that I've did stuff for me, you know, yeah. like your mama. Like, I really I wanted, she's... I was, that was the first person I was like, I've got to give her a collage, especially when she commented all of them. All, all she of really them does love them, and she loves you guys, so. Well, we love her. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, maybe one day, maybe one day, somebody's, like, one of Meg's coworkers is supposed to set me up an Etsy shop, but I don't have anything You yet. should do that. Have you done any larger ones? Well, see that one up there? Uh-huh. That's the largest one I've done. That's 30 inches by 30 inches, but it's just halfway done. Well, if you ever start selling it, and you were so gracious to give me one, and I love it, and I'm going to hang it as soon as I get home. But at some point in the future, I would definitely buy a large one from you as well. Okay. If you would want to perhaps do something Wonder Woman themed. But I don't care what it would... You know, wait, would that be copyrighted? Anyway, I love Linda Carter. Um, okay. Just throwing that out there, and I would pay whatever you want. Well, just uh, just give me a picture of her. Okay, I'll, make I'll send it to you. That's all, right. that's all it is. <laughs> I just I have to find pictures of stuff. Okay, you know that's the only thing that stops me from doing anything is that I have to find the right color, the right picture. Besides that, I can do anything. I think people, if you ever get an Etsy spot or whatever, probably people listen to this are people who know you. But if if people who know me and are listening to the podcast, if they go to your Facebook page or something. Those are really great to look at. So I hope you have them online somewhere at some yeah. point. So people, other Tom people Bob one thirty one is my name on Instagram. Tom what is Bob one thirty one. Tom Bob one thirty one. Yeah, I'm gonna follow. You. I follow you on Instagram. That's right. I like Instagram better than Facebook. I do too. I do too. It's really. I follow a lot of artists on there. I've always loved art, even though I have no art, artistic sensibilities, and um, I love all the art that I that I see on Instagram, and I don't see a lot of fighting and. You know, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Even even with the Trump collage that I posted, oh, nobody commented. I mean, I just made it. I don't support Trump, but I just I made it for a friend's mom, and she like loves Trump, and I love her, you know. But I was like, we're nervous about posting that one. When you posted that, and then you it wrote, I take request. You said I I take request, and I was like, okay. I'll let you buy on that one. And then my my mom was saying that you know she told you she. That Lady Gaga one was a little, you know, she was showing a little skin, so I didn't comment on that one. Well, I didn't comment on the Trump one, I just want to say. <laughs> no, no, I got, that was like, I think I got five likes on When your mom said, it's not, it's not one I would have picked, but I like it or whatever. <laughs> um, but no, I understand, and I think that's great that you made it for them. I, 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 I just didn't comment, because I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to say anything hateful. 
And it's hard not to, you know, especially with him. But that, I know, but that's cool that you do that, I think. So I don't want, but well, we're not going to end on that note. So let's come back around. Okay. So now you're here in ARAB, you're staying with your mom, you're recovering, you're doing good. You've got an MRI coming up. And then another one after that, or no, the ones in October is the one. Mm-hmm. And and I'm planning on going back to California for like two weeks, maybe. Good, good. And when are you going to do see that? see everybody. I mean, I haven't bought a ticket yet, but Bailey's flown here twice since I've been here. So I know that it's possible and yeah. it's possible not to get sick. So maybe late October. My mom's birthday is the 18th. Okay. And then also I can't miss the election. And Even though t- I've been reconnecting with my friends here. So much. Oh really? Oh yeah. From, from like friends. high school and stuff. High school and college and old jobs. Oh yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I've reconnected with a lot of people. That's awesome. And what do you foresee the possibility of moving back to California? I don't know. It really depends on a lot of stuff. But uh, I w- I wouldn't mind it. But I I like I like this nature. You know, yeah. I just wish that weed was legal. And that, like, it was more liberal. Because I like this nature. You know, I think that this is the prettiest. Like, Alabama is the prettiest North state. Alabama, especially, is so pretty. So pretty. And especially when you get out in it and you really see it. It's just, like, it's just beautiful. I mean, California is beautiful in its own way. Sure. And I've been to Yosemite and I've been to, like, I don't know, some other places. And it's pretty. But I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's no seasons out there, really. And I don't know. But, but it's more liberal, so... I don't know. It's just a toss up. It's you know? hard. That one of the reasons I like living in Birmingham because it it seems seems to be a little more liberal, mm-hmm. unless you're in Mountain Brook or something. And I'm never in Mountain Brook, so. <laughs> but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Do you do you, would you end up working here? Do you think or? Yeah, yeah. Um, or yeah. would you? I mean, if you got an artist space or a space at is it Lowe's Mills that was called? Yeah, you could you could probably survive off of all your art, especially if I stay here and I don't have to pay anything. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just all up in the air. Like I, I just I'm not making any decisions because I don't know. And also, like I, you know, I just don't know what's going on. So yeah. until I figure that out, I'm just gonna, you know, just be up in the air. <laughs> cool. You seem, uh, you seem pretty at ease. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I like the last time I went to the to the Clearview Cancer Institute, which is a depressing place, and everybody there, I mean, they just look so sad and so just old and bald and just I don't know. It's just yeah. a really sad place. But like, I'm pretty chipper, and so I remember this one guy was like, "What's that bag you're carrying? What's that thing on your head?" And I said, "Oh, I have a brain tumor." And this is my treatment. It's magnets and it like plugs in. And he was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then this other like couple that were standing there listening were like, oh, we're going to pray for you. And like, I was like surprised because I've just accepted that I have it so deeply that like, it's not even a big deal to me anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, before we close out or anything, I, I you had some notes and I want to know if there's anything that you wanted to talk about or bring up that we didn't get to because you know I I looked at it beforehand but I don't want to skip anything that you think is important to talk about one thing that I wanted to talk about was like the night before I started the Appalachian Trail for the first time I was like so nervous because I knew it was going to be like months out there or I hoped it was going to be months yeah. out there you know <laughs> I'm not quit but uh and so I wrote like 
my mom a letter, my dad a letter, Meg a letter, my Aunt Bar a letter. Like, I just wrote a bunch of letters and just mailed them that morning. I don't know, just to ease my nerves and to just tell them how much I loved them. And so, I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to get that in there. And then, uh... What did you, did they get, what did they say about the letters? Did they ever, did they ever tell you about them? Or did it just sort of, was it a quiet thing that... I mean, it was like months later when yeah. I saw them. So, I don't know, I... I don't, I don't know that I had a particular conversation about any of them. But, but it did help calm you down. It and, did help calm yeah. me down. Yeah, it really helped calm that me down. That actually would be a great exercise for anybody with anxiety about anything. Maybe write a, even yeah. if you don't send them, you know. Just write it. I, I think, I think it was, Yeah, it's really good. And then also just, uh, I wanted to tell you stories about us driving to California, me and Bailey. Oh, yeah. We were in two separate cars. Because it was like filled up, you know, with all our stuff. It was like you couldn't even see. Like you had to use your mirrors because you couldn't see behind you. And we camped along the way. We camped in Texas. And then we camped in Arizona. And it was just like such an adventure. Just like just like going to a place. Like it wasn't like going on vacation where you've been a hundred times. And it like you nervous to reach the destination. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I just I just remember that, and I just felt like those days that we were driving to California felt like a month because I was so nervous about like getting there. <laughs> what are we gonna do? I don't know. And then and you were in two cars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were. In two did you cars. have everything that you were carrying with you in cars, or did you have like a U-Haul or anything? No, no. no. <laughs> just I mean, it's we didn't you. have beds, and you know, we we slept on air mattresses. My cousin Stacy that you went to school with. She sent me like a huge box full of like, she gave us air mattresses. She gave us a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Like she gave us a lot of stuff. And she's just, I mean, she's always there. She's, but she's, I don't know. She's like really helpful. You know, like she's really good about like helping people. And then the other thing I want to talk about is just, uh, with cancer, like, I don't know. I just feel like weed or marijuana or whatever. It just, like it really helps the symptoms and it really helps the nausea. And also, I think it just helps you think about it more clearly. You know, like you can just sort of accept it. I don't know. I just, I think that it should be legal everywhere and especially for cancer patients. I think that absolutely, I would recommend weed to any cancer patient just because it it's so helpful and there's no real side effects besides like, you know, coughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the only side effect. God, so. It's been so long since I had any smoked. I don't even know what to call it anymore. I'm so old. Pot, weed, what do you call it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's like <laughs> names that people... What do you call it? I call it... Do you smoke it? it? Or are you taking some kind of... No, I smoke it. Yeah. I mean, I take edibles sometimes, but you can't get those out. You can't get those here. But uh, but yeah, my preferred way of using it is smoking it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Because I really don't want to leave out anything that you... No, I think I... that's it. I just... I want to say that like I'm I'm who I am because, because a lot because of Benji... And I just, I feel like he's my favorite person to talk to still after yeah. all these years. And that we're sort of like brothers, but then we're like, we didn't live together. So we don't like hate each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like my life has been affected greatly by Benji being my best friend. Yeah. And Benji's great. I remember, you know, cause Pam and I were really close when we were younger and Benji was always so cool. I remember going to, is it called Hurricane Creek down there in Coleman? Have you ever been there? And we went one time with Benji and Pam and I loved Shirley MacLaine, and we would, we, I, I remember reading all of Shirley MacLaine's books and really being into reincarnation and meditation and everything. But I remember Benji, like, meditating or something. He was talking about chakras or something. He was pretty yeah. young. 
he was really into all that at a he's very young age. He's always been very interesting. Always. And yeah. I think that's partly Pam. You know, it's partly him who he is, but also that was Pam. Yeah, Pam, she's... Now, I'll tell you one thing. I would not be who I am without Pam's influence in my life. So we've both been influenced by that family. Yeah. That's right. Because Pam is an amazing person. She really is. But also, talking about Shirley MacLaine, I've met her. Like, she was my neighbor. Shut up. I was, like, walking... I will my, kill you. I was walking my boyfriend's dog. And she's like, we lived in like condo community and I am passing it. And that was just an old lady. Like it was just an old she's lady. Old. Right. And so she said like, Hey to the dog. And whenever she said that, I was like, that sounds like Lisa. And I knew that she lived in the complex, but I just had never seen her. And then I like turned around and like, you know, said, Hey, Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> also Gary Busey lives in that community too. Wow. Right? Now that's a fun community. Yeah. Did you? Say anything to her besides hey. Did you really say hey, Shirley, or just say? Uh, no, I didn't really say that. You never, you never saw her again. Never saw her again. I mean, I know where her condo is, you know, in the complex, but uh, but yeah, she lives in a condo in a complex. I thought she would have well, some like. She she lives in New Mexico. I think that's yes, where she, she does. stays right. most of the time, and so this is just where she stays in L.A. That is crazy, and Gary Busey too. Gary Busey too. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sort of friends with him. I helped him walk in. One time after he had knee surgery, like his wife is really good friends with my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And so we, we really know each other. You know, I love his wife. Yeah. And she's a great person and her kids are, you know, and so, you know, I helped him walk in one day, but he never remembers, you know, he yeah. never, he, he, he knows other people, but he doesn't know me. But you know his wife better. Yeah. But yeah. I know, I know his wife. Better. I will never forget now that you met Shirley MacLaine and she said she <laughs> talked to your dog. Sort I of. sort of met her. Well, but still. She met the dog. In person. <laughs> you know, she's getting up there. She must be she 90 by there. now. I know. 90 million years old or whatever. You know, she's been around <laughs> for a long time. Well, do you have any closing remarks that you want to make as we end up, or as we wrap up the, this episode? Just legalize weed <laughs> and don't <laughs> preach about gay people being wrong. <laughs> I think that's a good way to sum it up. Well, that's it, I guess. It was painless, right? No, yeah, I, I was I was so nervous, but I got relaxed. You're very relaxing. Where you are was created by Jimmy Ellenberg and edited by Fox Williams. Our intro is Small Piano from the Ant Hill album by Patricia Taxon. All music was used with permission. The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution for which I have ever worked or will ever work. Thanks for listening. Have a nice day wherever you are. <laughs>